Matthew chapter 3. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Matthew 3, verse number 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of the prophet by, uh, by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And when he went out, or then went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when they saw... But when they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat unto the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for putting everything together in the scripture today as you have. I pray that you'll guide and direct in the message this morning as you've laid it upon my heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will uh, meet with us, Lord. Convict uh, saints where we're wrong and, uh, Lord, give instruction to us and uh, guide us into all truth as, as promise of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, also for those that are here without Christ, that, the, that they'll be pricked in their heart and may they come Christ uh, to Christ, Lord, and, and uh, be uh, found under the blood uh, before it's everlastingly too late. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, so... Uh, again, when I originally uh, looked at the scripture, the text here, um, I was uh, kind of tagged Friday evening when uh, Brother Tim and uh, uh, Brother Josh was out there planting those rose bushes and they was trying to get that bed prepared and where those old holly trees was in there, bushes was in there, the roots are deep <laughs> as I was finding out. When I come over here, uh, of course, they'd come over to get a rake and, uh, and told me that it was over here, and I went over, come over and changed clothes and come over, and they, they had a pick, uh, the mattock, uh, going at it, and, um, and one thing or another. But they didn't have an axe laid to the root. They pulled out a chainsaw and was laying it to the root, amen? And so, uh, and then, you know, I had, had my, my 
time with the shovel and, and, the, and the pick, not as much as they did, but I did. And uh, one, one root that uh, we, we kind of uncovered, uh, I, I kept feeling it with my, my shovel, and then it was about this long. And Brother Tim come over and just picked up on it and was able to pull it all the way up, all the way you know, out, and it probably still went down from there. But we cut off a good section of this root, and, uh, and he goes, right there's the problem. <laughs> all them roots, uh, what you don't see gets in our lives. And, of course, you know, we have dealt with the root and the root of bitterness since I've preached, uh, uh, since I've become your pastor, and I know we've dealt with the root of bitterness. Uh, but I was reminded of the, of the text, just the phrase, laying the axe to the root. So I come here to, looked up the scripture. It's also found, uh, I believe, in the book of Luke. And in um, uh, chapter 3, and, and, and there, you know, he doesn't go uh, as far as Matthew does here, as far here as the, at the end when it talks about the chaff and the thing. So in the context of Scripture, as I was looking at this, I want to give you the context. Amen. And then make application. Of course, the, this is the beginning of the Gospels. Uh, we know that in the book of Matthew that there was a, a period of about 400 years that, uh, that of darkness, that, that, that the children of Israel had not heard from God. Uh, they, had, they had persecuted the prophets according to the scriptures. They had killed the prophets according to the scriptures. And in that 400 years, you know, raised up the Pharisees, a religious sect among the Jews, and the Sadducees, which we see here, that come out uh, and they were addressed here. Uh, when it talks about uh, laying that axe to that root, and uh, so the Sadducees and the Pharisees come out to him as well. Of course, John comes on the scene. Uh, he had been uh, he had uh, uh, had been prophesied by the prophet Isaiah that he was one uh, uh, crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. We know that uh, uh, John's mother Elizabeth. Uh, was uh, expecting John about six months prior to Mary, expecting uh, the Lord. And when Mary went to her uh, and announced uh, to Elizabeth that she was with child of the Holy Ghost, John leaped. <laughs> John leaped in Elizabeth's womb, in his mama's womb, at, at the, that announcement. So he was. He he knew he knew even in his mama's womb, and and maybe and maybe he hadn't seen him. Uh, I mean, I imagine growing up, you know, if, if uh, Mary and Elizabeth had got together like families do, you know, kids playing with each other out there under the shade trees, one thing or another. I mean, growing up as a, as a boy, John actually might have played with, if you want to put it that way, as a children, because we dealt with uh, Christ and his progression on this past Wednesday night uh, in his humanity. Uh, they might have, you know, played... Uh, they didn't have cowboys and Indians back then. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they played uh, Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho back then. I don't know. You know how they are. Uh, the old uh, or play David and Goliath back then. I don't know. You know. I mean things like that. You hear you hear these uh, these stories of old that was told, and lots of times the children's reenact those things. You know, just like you know when we used to play cowboys and Indians and so on and so forth. Who knows? But they knew each other growing up. They were related to each other, in a sense, through through Mary's bloodline there. Cousins, if you will. But uh, but when the time come, John was set aside to be that forerunner of Christ. 
John was set aside to come out of the wilderness. There was a period of time that John went to the wilderness. And lots of times, and that's an old other message, and uh, probably a good study and a good message from time to time of, of, of preparation in the wilderness. God does that. He prepares preachers in the wilderness. And he prepared, you know, a, a, um, John the Baptist was one. Uh, we think of Moses on the backside of the desert. <laughs> he, he takes it, Paul, he takes away. And during those times that they're secluded away from, and, it, and that's when God works in their, their lives and prepares them for what God has gotten them to. And so, so here's the scene. And in those days came John preaching in the wilderness after he had been prepared. God had given him the message to preach, and here was his message. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's interesting that uh, Christ's message was the same time. If you'll just turn over a page in chapter 4 and verse... uh, Number 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent ye, or repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John's message and Christ's message was the same message. And he's, it was the message we've got to keep in, in, in the context of Scripture, keep into uh, our understanding that the message at this time was to the Jewish people. At this time was to the Jewish people. They had been steeped in religion of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, again, followers of them. But let's look real quick, briefly here to them. So well, let's back up. So repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, was John's message. For this is he that is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John knew that there was one coming after him. And he's preaching in the wilderness that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that caused some people to confess their sins. So his message, you know, there was a, there was, there was a certain, he's telling them to repent and then, then when people come and confess their sins, note it was after they repented, after they confessed, that's when they were baptized. They wasn't, baptized unto repentance, although there's a, that some people will take that and they're going to twist, twist that and they'll say, putting you under the water washes away your sins. No, it doesn't. Confessing your sins and repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus Christ and his shed blood, that's what washes away your sins. Baptism is an outward expression that you had followed Christ. In believing in Him and, you, and the, the blood being shed, and you are dead to Christ, dead to your sins, and buried, and raised in newness of life. That new creature that Christ bring, uh, uh, creates in you, in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit of God moves in. So it was after they confessed; they were baptized of Him in Jordan, confessing their sins. I know this read that way with the baptism in the uh, in the in the front of confession. But you're not baptized until you've confessed. You're not baptized until you repented. Here in our church covenant, 
we having been led as we believe by the Holy Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on our profession of faith, all that's first. Then having been baptized. You know, that's one of the differences between Baptists and all the rest of them. Is baptism. And where what they say baptism is and what they say baptism does and when baptism takes place. Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, what doth hinder me to be baptized? They asked the question. Well, Philip said there's a prerequisite. <laughs> you got to believe. There's the prerequisite. You got to believe first. Baptism comes later. After you've believed, after you've repented, after you've confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And that's later on. It wasn't here. They were confessing that they were sinners. You've got to believe that. It was, you've got to confess that. I am a sinner. You don't have to confess it to me, the preacher. I'm not your priest. There ain't no phone booth up here with a screen for you to slide, to slide back a little window and say, Father, forgive me. I'm not your father. You need to confess that to the Heavenly Father. I don't need to know about your sins. Confess it to Him. So there, was, there were people that were truly repentant. There were people in this scene that were truly uh, repentant and they confessed it. And, and, they, and apparently they were fruits in their lives, which we read about here uh, in verse number 10. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So there was some trees, apparently, talking about men, that were bringing forth good fruit. And he would baptize them. And there was a change in them. But here come the Pharisees <laughs> and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 15, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and, thy, and mother, and he that curseth his father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, shall be, uh, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your traditions. Tradition, ye hypocrites! Well did Isaiah the prophet, uh, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, "This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, 
and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Here's where I wanted to get to. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines of the command, uh, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And that was his Pharisaical crowd, the Pharisees. It says the scribes and the Pharisees, but that's who the Pharisees were. They were hypocrites. They had taken the law, which Brother Glenn had addressed, as was amazing. Brother Glenn addressed in the Sunday school hour, they had taken the law and they had twisted it and turned it into traditions of men. The law said, if you don't honor your, your father and your mother, and uh, that you, they should be put to death back in the day. They were to be brought, you know, by, at certain times uh, to, so he that curseth his father or mother, let him die to death. That was, but then the Pharisees made it, Say, oh no 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 no, and they took they took some of the punishment off of the law. They took some of the penalty off of the law by their tradition. And Jesus challenged the Pharisees in that. They were coming to him just about washing their hands before they eat, and this is much more severe on not honoring your father and your mother. But, but like he said there in verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so the, the Pharisees had, 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 had put the commandments of men in there and they taught it as doctrine, like wearing a long sleeve shirt when you're standing behind the pulpit or wearing wire rim glasses back in the 70s. I mean, that, I, there was a, a message preached in the late 70s, early 80s probably, by a, a preacher called Here Come the Pharisees. And he was just, I mean, he was at a great big old camp meeting. And they were full of pharisaical preachers in there. Cowboy boots, wire rim glasses, uh, because that was attributed to hippies back in the 60s. Uh, uh, a lot of other things he brought out there, you know, in the long hair. You know, he brought out in that message that he that he knew of a of a church, and I've said this before, that where the where the mother had asked the church to pray that her son would come to the church and her son would get saved. And when her son come into the church, he came in with long hair, and the pastor of the church having supposedly been praying for the sun would come, went back to the sun, you can't come in here like this. And the sun said, I'll never darken the doors of the church again. Because of the traditions of men. You, look, you, we was talking about this last night. You got to clean up. I mean, they want preachers, Pharisees, and preachers even today in their independent Baptist circles want to paint the sepulcher. They want to clean up the outside and say, look what we've got in our choir. You're right. They want to paint the outside and say, look, look at all of our young people. They want to paint the outside and say, look at all of us. We, you know, we spit white. <laughs> yeah. Look how clean our people are. Look how clean that they dress. They're just painting the, painting the, painting the sepulcher. They're just painting the tomb. And you open up the bone. You open up the door of the tomb, and inside the tomb, where the sepulchre is, dead men's bones. There's there's nothing clean on the inside of them people. 
They can put on a suit. They can put on a tie. They can carry a King James Bible in. They got their hair cut right. They stopped this. They stopped that. They stopped this. They stopped that. They started this. They started that. They got this out of the house. They got that out of the house. They put this in the house. And it's all the motions of men, traditions of the pastor, and the traditions of the church in some cases. Because some pastors, if they don't, they'll come in, they'll vote them in as a pastor, and if they don't conform to the traditions of the church, the Pharisaical church, then that pastor don't last about two or three months, and they're sending him down the road. We're going to get us another pastor. That happens. And they've allowed the traditions of men to, to be taught as doctrine. That's the Pharisees. Let's look at the Sadducees. Matthew chapter 22. Let's see here. So Matthew chapter 22 verse... 23, the same day came to him the Sadducees. So in our text, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. Both were religious sects, just a bunch of religious folks, church-going folks. You know, one was the church of the Pharisees and one belonged to the church of the Sadducees. (laughs) And these were their leaders. They come out. So we know the Pharisees were teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And here's the Pharisees. Then, same, then the, the, same came, the same day came to him the Pharisees, which say that there is no resurrection and ask him. Of course, they ask him about uh, the, the, the law again, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and had married a uh, 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 when he had married a wife. Uh, back up. When he had when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, the and the third unto the seventh, and the last of. And the last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they say, for they say, for they all had had her. For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So again, error in the scriptures. These are religious people, but they had either tradition, they've changed the scriptures. They, they didn't look into, they did not rightly divide or understand the scriptures. Can a religious man get saved? Sure he can, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he got saved. Saul was a Pharisee, and he got saved, become the apostle Paul. So religious folks can't get saved, but in our text... Matthew 3, they come out looking into what was going on out there in the wilderness. Who is this fellow that's now preaching whatever he's preaching? And they come out, and John the Baptist asks them some questions. So 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why are you out here? They come out here because we've warned them of the wrath and they're confessing their sins and they're bringing fruits, meat for repentance and we're baptizing them, but you coming out here all high and mighty in your phylacteries or whatever, how you pronounce that word, your garments with the scripture on them is basically what that is. You come out here and you, you, you know, you got your, you got your suit on and you got your tie on and you're looking good and, and maybe, and, and, and to bring it into 2022's perspective, you got your glass pulpit. You might not even have a pulpit. You got your <laughs> you got your golf shirt on, or maybe a t-shirt, and your blue jeans, and your jacket over your t-shirt, and you got your stool up here, and you're preaching like this, sitting on your stool. <laughs> now we don't <laughs> just going through the motions, twisting the scriptures, taking away from the scriptures, just exactly like the Pharisees did. Oh, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't, and I believe in dressing right. The maniac of Gadara, you preached that one a couple weeks ago, right? Maniac of Gadara. Brother Chris, I wasn't here. He filled in. He preached the maniac of Gadara who was naked. And he cut himself. And he lived in the tombs. And he cried out often, and nobody could bind him, chain him. Nobody could keep him down, but, Jesus, but along came the Lord. And when, and when he ran to him, and God cast out the de- devils, Christ cast out the devils, and when he did, they found, when the people come out, they found the man that had been in the tombs at peace. That's one of the first things that you'll know in salvation. The turmoil in your heart will be gone. Hallelujah. It's the first thing I noticed. My heart that had been in turmoil, that had been condemning me in my sin, was at peace. He was at peace. He wasn't cutting himself anymore. He wasn't crying out. He wasn't running Wild through the tombs, he was at peace. He was sitting. He wasn't running around anymore. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and the, and the Bible says he was clothed. And he was in his right mind. So there is, there, there is a, 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 a principle, and there is... A, some, some teaching there that when you get saved, you'll stop running around naked. <laughs> you'll have some shame about you. Used to, it was taught, I mean, it was taught shame, faith, you know, shame, faith. There was a, a period of time, you know how it is. You can take a two or three year old kid and they, they can just run buck naked all over the place and they, they don't care. 
you know, and, and they'll, they'll be using the bathroom or be in the bathtub or something. Mama! <laughs> Daddy! And it doesn't matter which of the parents go in. What do you need? I need this. And you take care of them in the bathroom. You know, they maybe need white. They ain't got to that point yet. They may need, you know, their hair washed. And so you're washing your men or washing their, the hair because mama's busy doing something else with one of the other youngins. So the man goes in and washes the daughter's hair. Or the mama goes in and washes the son's hair. And where they're little, they don't care. They're, they, they're just void of, of any shame. But then as the kids get a little bit older, there comes just, it's just naturally that happens. There's, there's a th- something that'll happen when, you know, two months ago, <laughs> six months ago, mom or daddy could, you know, open the door, maybe catch them getting dressed, and they were just like, just keep on getting dressed. But all, there's a little change that'll just naturally take place that you open the door and they're like, they'll cover up. Amen. What puts that in them? God put it in us that there's a certain shame, shamefacedness that we should have to cover ourselves up. Just like Adam and Eve, when they realized that they were naked, they went out and they covered themselves up with some fig leaves. And then God put a covering on them of, of animal skins. But then people go nuts. <laughs> And the imagination that happened in Noah's day, the wicked imaginations, and they were doing things that were unseemly. And you go down to the Walmart, and you see people half naked. No underwear on. No shamefacedness. And such were some of you. (laughs) Such were some of us. But now we are washed, and God put something in us to say, hey, we need to put some clothes on. We need to present ourselves properly. And I don't get on that much, but I mean, it just should come naturally, just like that transition from a child to an adolescent, you know, to a teenager, and that transition that just naturally takes place. When you're saved, God will put something in you that says, hey, I need to lengthen my dress him. I need to lengthen my pant leg. Naturally, it'll come. And you see it in spiritual growth. I don't dwell on the outside a whole lot. You know I don't in the two and a half years plus or so that I've been your pastor, I've not taken a whole message and, you know, got pants on women and got shorts on men and, you know, tank tops and all that. I've not done that. A little hit here, a little hit there, and then just watch the Holy Spirit of God do it within you. Naturally. People get saved, they start dressing different. Because too many times, pharisaical pastors, and I appreciate the church helping folks go get clothes. It's a blessing. I've had people give up. 
boxes of clothes through it. But at the same time, those receiving the clothes and those put, you know, helping folks to get clothes, let's be in the right mind. We should just, you know, naturally want to, but at the same time, let's not let's not paint that paint the sepulcher. But if you, if you have been born again, there will be something inside of you that says, Hey, I need to do this. And it's amazing to step back and watch. I was commenting to Lisa yesterday about the, that same subject. To step back and watch people get saved, and, and you don't have to say much. Just watch the Holy Spirit work in their hearts. And it just naturally comes along. And you see that growth there. What a blessing it is. It really is a blessing. But here he is, he's talking about, so here, here's the people who he's talking to, this religious crowd. They've changed, they've just changed the doctrines of men. They've changed, they're teaching the doctrines of men as, traditions of men as doctrine, which is not there. They have come out and they've challenged the law to him, the Sadducees in that text of scripture. They've challenged him in that way. So we, we, we understand that they are, they are the religious crowd and they're among us. I mean, if, especially if you visit any extra churches. And as churches come together, you know, and, and maybe you sit down and, and you can reason with each other and, and talk about the scripture. But then it's another thing when they, when they come to you like the Pharisees, uh, Sadducees did Christ. When they, you know, really twist the scriptures and take it out of context, which is what many times things happen. So, so John the Baptist in our in our text, he 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 asked in that question, "Who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? Why are you out here?" Then he goes on and he tells him, "Bring forth, therefore, moot, uh, bring forth, therefore." Fruits meet for repentance. And then there's a colon there. And he, he says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. They thought, Hey, look, I am a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I'm a Jew. I mean, I am bona fide. I mean, Paul, I mean, yeah, Paul gave his, his pedigree. I mean, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was born to, he's talking, I'm prime stock. <laughs> and that's the way that they come at, you know. You know, I mean, if anybody say, I'm saved, I, they did a, a well, I was, and they, they come at you like that. And, 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 and John the Baptist called them on and said, don't, don't come out and say just because you're born of Abraham that, you, that you're going to get in. So don't, don't come out and say just because you're a preacher's kid that you're going to get in. These talk about the people, the religious folks that went to synagogue every Saturday, that read the scriptures, that had the scriptures on their clothes. That fasted so many times a week. These were if if you could do it and get into heaven, 
These two were going to do it and get into heaven. But you can't do it and get into heaven. You can't follow the law. The law condemns us. The law shows us that we're sinners. The law is our schoolmaster, according to Paul. That says, says, how would I know that I was a thief? Unless the, God, and the law told me that I was a thief. Thou shalt not steal. How would I know that I was an adulterer? Unless the law told me I was. How would I know that I was a murderer? Unless the, so, so the law tells us that we are the thief and the murderer and the adulterer and the blasphemer. And that's why it's important for the preachers to preach the law. Not that you can keep the law and get into heaven, because you can't. But it just points us and shows us that we're sinners. And then when we get to that recognition that we are a sinner, like John coming out of the wilderness, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is in heaven. Wait a minute. So the kingdom is upon us. We've heard the prophecy of the kingdom. We know that the Messiah is coming. And now there's this strange fella coming out of the wilderness. He's eating locusts and wild honey. He's not dressed like the Pharisees. He's dressed a little bit different. Leathern girdle. Camel's hair. (laughs) Something different about this guy. We've been hearing the Pharisees all all of our lives. And this guy's got another message. And then under that message, apparently there was a conviction. There was something that made them look within themselves to confess their sins. But again, back to the Pharisees. He called them vipers. He told them to bring fruits, meat for for repentance. In other words, you show me by the way that you're acting that you're truly repentant. Don't come out here in your hall high and mighty I belong to Abraham kind of, kind of attitude. And John was that way. He was just plain. He said, don't come in here with your, uh, what is the, heart shafter in Mark's $500 suit. Or better now. That was now. <laughs> your King James Bible. So on and so forth. Don't come in here, you know, and just think that you are going to get into heaven just because that you are doing all that. No. He said, I need to see fruit, fruit, meat for, fruits, plural, meat for repentance. There should be an outward expression that you know Christ of what's inside. The fruit of the Spirit, singular fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy. There'll be some things that'll that'll happen within you that 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 points to you. There'll be some changes. Again, those natural changes that take place. Brother Hall talks, and I've told him about him, and I wish he could physically. You would love them to death. They're quiet, quiet folks. But. Um, I, I, I've mentioned him. I didn't mention him by name, Brother Shelby Wilson. There was a member of Island Ford 
members of Violent Ford that they were really good friends with Shelby and Louise Wilson. So uh, that member took care of his mother in the home. And there was times in, in her care that they would bring her to church. If she talked, she would talk out of her head. Most of the time she's just quiet, sitting in a wheelchair in the back. But they were faithful to take care of her until she passed away. So because she passed away to support our church, our fellow church member, we all went to the funeral. And Shelby and Louise was there because they were friends of Brother Cater, Miss Ann. So Brother Hall, being introduced to Shelby and Louise, went up to them, you know, shook their hand, introduced them, and like I, I've been doing, just, you know, pulls out of track. So we'd like to invite you to church, you know, and at that time, 11, you know, uh, 10 o'clock Sunday school or whatever, 10 o'clock Sunday school, 11, 11 15 preaching, on 14, 15 on Ford Road, and just kind of said it that way. And there was another person that died relatively in the same time frame that we went to the funeral. Shelby and Louise was there. Brother Hall said, 11, I think it was 1105. 11.05. 11.05 preaching. 1415 on Fort Road, like to have you. So there was two funerals. Brother Hall ran across them, and then lo and behold, here come Shelby and Louise one day. Shelby at the time. Of course, Brother Hall tells it. Every time Brother Hall tells it, Brother Shelby's ponytail got longer. <laughs> oh, Brother Shelby, come in. And the first time he started telling his ponytail was that long. And, about, you know, kind of like fish stories, the more he told it, Brother Shelby's, Brother Shelby, come in. His ponytail was that long. It wasn't that long. It was, it was just basically straight off the back of his head. He's kind of bald at the top, and he had some hair. He pulled it back, and it was just about that far off the back of his head, but he had it pulled into a ponytail about four, three or four inches long. So they come, come I think a couple, couple times, and then we have a, they had a mourner's bench up against the platform here, one on that side. They come forward in the invitation. Both of them bowed down. Both of them got up. No emotion. Went to their seat. Left. Sunday morning. So Sunday night, they come back. And at the end of service then, then they come forward and both of them testified that that morning God saved them there on the mourner's bench. That was Sunday night. Well, Wednesday night, see what happens when you're saved? <laughs> they just keep coming back. And Wednesday night, they hadn't heard a message one on it is a shame for a man to have long hair. But Wednesday night, when he come back in, the ponytail was gone. What did that? That was a fruit internally. The Holy Spirit working within him. He hadn't heard it. Just something said, I need to cut that thing off. And he did. The fruit of the Spirit. Again, John the Baptist telling the Pharisees, look, you bring fruits, meat for repentance. And some of the things that will come out when you're saved is love, joy. This is found in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace. And there's that peace again. Just like that maniac, he had peace. People try to find peace in the bottle. People try to find peace in relationships. People try to find peace in making money. If I can just, if I can just get a better job, 
If I can just make more money, if I can just get ahead, if I can just win the lottery, if I can just go down here to the casino and win the big jackpot, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be set. I'll be, you know, if people's done studies since the lottery's gotten so big worldwide, those big lottery winners, you know, and it, I'm flesh too. We're going through the state of Tennessee, and they got <laughs> the billboard. They got the big Powerball jackpot is at 20-whatever, 7 million. And the super mega jackpot is at 50-something. You know, we're driving down the road, and we look up at the billboard, and I said, man. I said, look at that big old mega million, mega jackpot. I said, boy, you know, here it is, the flesh. Wouldn't that be nice? What would you do with $57 million? So then you start going through all that. If I could only win. You'll spend more money on your scratch-offs than you're ever going to win, especially when you play any length of time. And maybe you do win the great big million. There have been studies that goes back and looks at the big, big, big money winners. Their, their families go... <laughs> people commit suicide. Some people commit suicide because they get it all and they lose it all. Or they die because of all the extra vice that they bring into their lives. It didn't help them. It's not going to help you. If I can only do, look, love, joy, peace. You're looking for peace? Find it in Jesus. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That's the fruit that John was looking for in their lives. They come out all high and mighty. Don't say that just because you're Abraham's son, you're Abraham's children, that you're going to get in. And that's where we left it off. Let's look it up. So, because uh, God is able of these stones to raise up children of Abraham. And now, also, is the axe laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down. And cast into the fire. Now, here's where we're going to get it. So, in the commentary of things, what could be applied was, and now the axe is laid to their pride and their vanity. We're going to cut it out. Just don't, don't say that just because you're Abraham, the axe is laid to the root. Their self-confidence and glorying in their righteousness, which is self-righteousness. The acts. Look, there's a judgment day coming, and none of that's going to hold up, is what, is what he's telling them, basically. Just because you're religious, just because you're pride and uh, full of pride and vanity, just because you're self-confident in your religion and, and in your pedigree, Well, I come from three generations of preachers. Who okay. It's not going to help you in the day of judgment. I can't find your name in this book. Sorry, I never knew you. 
Mm-mm-mm. Their holiness, again, it's an earthly holiness, just because, again, painting that outward sepulcher, cleaning up the outside is not going to get you. Well, I've been coming to church on Sunday morning. I've been coming to church faithfully every week. That's great. I want you here. You need to be here. You need to get under the word of God. But that's not going to get you in. I laid down my bottle, throw my, dumped all my liquor out, stopped smoking, trying to stop smoking, trying to do this. I'm trying to stop cussing, trying to do this. Within your flesh, a lot of people can do all those things. They can quit all those things. But all you're doing is trying to paint the outside of your grave, of your tomb. Inside is still full of dead men's bones. There's nothing that has transpired on the inside. You're still dead in your trespasses and sins. You're just cleaning up the outside. You're just getting, instead of the old plain, plain pine box, you're getting the one with the nice enamel and all the pretty fixtures around it. When you open it up, it's got the praying hands into the top cover. Just get me a plain one, Lisa. I don't need all that. My body's just going to rot inside that box. But that's where people are. We got the cat, cat casket up here. Say, so look at me. I'm nice and pretty. You open up the casket, it's full of dead men's bones. Rotten, stinking. That's the way it is on the inside of you. Still rotten and still stinking. You say, well, Brother Bell, you, you shouldn't talk to me like that. It's the truth, and I love you. I don't want people to clean up the outside and to try to do good on the outside to the point where they think that they're okay and then they die and go to hell. Because you'll be just like they are later on in Matthew and you say, but God, didn't I? And they were casting out devils and they were doing this and they were doing that. But some of us said, Lord, didn't I go to church on Sunday? Well, yeah, you did. Lord, didn't I try to clean myself up? Yes, you did. And that was good. But God is still going to say, I don't know you. You never was washed in the blood of my son. You never took upon you Christ, which is what he was talking about this morning. You never put on Christ. You never got under the blood. Christ paid the debt. Christ done away with the law. But you're still out here. You're not underneath the covering of his blood. So you still are guilty. But when you get under the blood, I just I don't see you anymore. I don't see your sin anymore. I see Christ. I see his blood shed for you. And as long as I see you through the blood, I see you as guiltless, which he dealt with. But if you're not under the blood, I see you as guilty. And i got to cast you into hell, in the lake of fire. So he deals with their pride and vanity and their self-confidence and their glorying in their righteousness and their holiness and their carnal wisdom. I know the scriptures. 
And there's a lot of people that knows the scriptures. A lot of religious folks that know the scriptures, but they, they twist the scriptures. They'll, they'll pull out, and that's why, that's why I stress, read the whole sentence. Because there's a group out there, the Acts 2.38 folks, that'll pull 2.38 out, build the whole doctrine around 2.38, instead of putting it back into the context. And other scriptures, that they, they build whole religions out of just pulling one scripture out, Instead of reading it in the context and rightly dividing the word of truth. And they will, they will glory in their knowledge of the scriptures. Just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And then they pride themselves in their fleshly privileges. Looking at the, at the publican. I don't do that. I do this. I fast. I dress right. I do and when I walk into a place, boy, people set me up. They see me coming. Hey, come on down here to the good seats. Just because of who I am. I'm Dr. <coughs> So-and-so. I got a D-D-T-H and other letters after my name. I'm the big man. I'm the big man on the poster. You got these big meetings. I can show you some of these posters. <clears throat> you got the host pastor over here, and you got all the pastor preachers that's going to be there, and then the and in the bigger picture, the 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 keynote speaker each night. I look at that those posters. I'm thinking one, it's a waste of money. We can just get on the. And then another thing, too, it's like, I mean, if you put the pictures on there and just promote. I know somebody in our meeting left that whole big thing of the, of the uh, hope of Israel, big meeting, da 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 And uh, when I found it and everybody's gone, it went right to the trash. Look, just show up. If God preaches, you preach it. I'm talking to, don't. Brother Harold Seitler, I think, is the one that taught it or t- told it. Went to a meeting and he told the story about an older preacher and a young preacher. And the young preacher is like, put me up there, put me up there. I got the message. <laughs> I got the message. I hope he puts me up there. I, hope he put- I got the message for the day, boys. I hope he puts me up there. And just was like, on the edge of his seat and he gets up there and bombs it. And comes down with his tail between his legs and sits down next to the older preacher. And said, I don't know what happened. And the older preacher said, if you would have gotten up there like you are now, filled with humil- humility instead of getting up there in pride, then that wouldn't have happened. And I thought, man, that's good stuff. But that's what them big posters do. They fill us with pride. My name's on the poster. That's why when I have revival services, I, you know, lots of times I just revival services... The, the, the dates and the time, I don't put, I have put them on some flyers, but I don't make the, the most out of the name of the preacher in my font size. I don't put the name of the preacher out there on the sign, I don't think, because we're not here to see the preacher. We're, to hear, we're here to hear from God. That should be our heart's desire. God, what do you have for me? 
And if the preacher is Brother Chris, or if the preacher is Brother Bell, or if the preacher is Brother Pearson, or if the preacher is Brother Cooley, or the preacher is Brother Sutton, or the, or the preacher is Brother Bryant, or Brother Kirkman. You see the difference there? So many times we want to go hear Brother Kirkman, Brother Sutton, and Brother Bryant because they're the big preacher. But we should go to hear from God, regardless of who's got who who the preacher is. If he's in tune with God like he ought to be, praying for the message of God for the people that sits before him, and we go to hear from God, not to hear the preacher. Who's delivering the message? Then we'll receive a whole lot more. I guarantee it. I don't know how I got off on that. But he speaks of that coming judgment here, and we'll be done. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Look, don't bring your religious stuff. Don't bring your pedigree. Don't bring all that in here to me. I want to bring. I want you to bring fruit, meat for repentance. In other words, I want to see something within you that says something that just says you've changed. And he goes, and if you don't, this axe is going to be laid to the root. And he's, he's talking kind of along the lines of what Brother Glenn was this morning in the Sunday school hour. There's the Old Testament scriptures, and he had an old covenant with the, the, the children of Israel. There's a new covenant coming. He's not going to be dealing with the Jews anymore solely. I know that they was proselytes, but he's not going to be dealing solely with the Jews anymore in the future. This gospel that's getting ready to be preached as Christ comes on the scene is going to be to whosoever will. Thank the Lord. The axe is laid to the root to this old covenant. There's a new covenant coming in, so it can be applied that way. When he talks about lo ami there in Hosea, not my people, I'm going to cut you off because you're not accepting me as your Messiah. John talking about the coming Messiah. You'll not accept him and you will be cut off. The axe will be laid to the root. And I'm going to graft in the Gentile people, hallelujah. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's a blessing. I'm going to deal with some another people. I'm going to, whosoever will may come. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Whosoever will. As we, Brother Glenn and I was visiting yesterday, I referred to this. First, Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of, G, uh, of Jesus Christ. Again, who is he writing to in Second Peter? He's writing to them that have obtained like faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So that's who he's writing to when he says... A little bit later on here, I can find it without reading the whole thing. Well, let's just read the whole thing, all the way down to 12. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and, our Lord, and, our, and of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Again, we're not like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Look, if we've got any kind of virtue, if we've got any kind of godliness, if we've got any kind of life, it's in Jesus. In him and through him. We are nothing and nobody. Zeros with the circle erased off of us. Nothing. Without Christ. And because of that, so the things that we have in him and by him and for him and through him, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, that corruption, that internal corruption that's inside that sepulcher, that's inside that old tomb, it's inside that coffin, we've escaped that. Because internally it's been clean and given life, eternal life. We've escaped it. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. So once we have the inside cleaned up, just like John was telling the Pharisees and Sadducees, look, you, you bring me proof that you're clean on the inside, then we'll talk. Then, then we'll talk this repentance and confession and baptism. But until then, no. But when you are cleaned up on the inside, there's going to be some things added. Look, I was saved at 14 years old. I started chewing tobacco when I was 12. I chewed tobacco till I was 21 because I heard some preaching. And it wasn't directly dealing with my tobacco, but I was just in a church that started dealing with some things, and the Holy Spirit said, hey, that's not a good testimony. And guess what? The tobacco's gone. It's been gone for a long time now. Could I continue to chew back and go to heaven? Probably. Yes, I could have. But again, there were some things that was added to me in, in my Christian development some things that was taken away from me in my Christian development. And that was one of them. People's joked around, kind of, sort of. Is smoking going to send me to hell? No. Unbelief is going to send you to hell. And the joke among... is it'll make you smell like you've been there, but it's not going to send you there. My pastor that I was saved under, him and the deacons between Sunday school and church would go out and light up. That was just the time of that was in the time of the, in the 70s or whatever. But we're going to add these things. And notice these things are internally faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, Patience, godliness, kindness, and charity. It's the inside. Look, we clean up that. 
But these things will be added internally. And it's, it's a spiritual growth. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he's still talking. He's still talking to those that have obtained like precious faith with us unto the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ when he says, but he that lacketh these things is blind. He's still talking to saved folks. The saved folks that apparently have not grown in these things, that have not added these things in their lives. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, wherefore the rather brethren, that's who he's talking to, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." John is preaching. <laughs> Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Peter says, don't forget that you have been purged from your old sins. Add these things. Be able to see, be able to grow, and add these things in your life. But if you are one of those that falter, if you are one of those that don't seem to be fruitful in adding these things and having these things work out in you, then you might be checking up. Make your calling and election sure. We spoke of that yesterday. A man that was physically hindered and in the hospital that had made a profession in his life. And I said, look, sometimes we get into the places like a hospital like this and it's a time for them to do a physical checkup on us. We've got to check some things out. And I said, just like that, there's times that we have to do a spiritual checkup. We've got to look in the inside and say, well, things ain't right. You know, I'm supposed to tick when I, I I'm, I'm supposed to tick and I talked. <laughs> You know, uh, something's just not right physically. Something's just not right with me spiritually. There's something maybe hindering my growth. There's something that's got me maybe some sin or a weight which doth so easily beset us has hindered our walk. And it's those times when we kind of bump up against something that we say, okay, let's turn it on the inside. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings. Mirror in the magnifying glass. Let's see what's going on. Let's go. Let's do a spiritual scan, spiritual MRI, spiritual CAT scan, X-rays. Let's do all the tests. Make sure that we're in the faith. Make your calling and election sure. Turn, turn, turn on the test. Do an examination on the inside. Am I in the faith? Am I, am I fruitful in these things? Are they abounding in my life? If not, look, don't, don't hang on to 
You know, I, I, I grew up at Sooner Rose Baptist Church. That ain't going to get you in. I went so many years in a row down to the, uh, down to the Bible camp. That ain't going to get you in. Well, so-and-so was my uncle or my grandfather or my daddy. That ain't going to get you in. It's an individual thing. And you're repent, confess. Look, confess, uh, I'm a sinner. Don't tell me if God's dealing with you and we go to the invitation, it can happen right now, but if we go to the invitation, just tell God, Look, Lord, I'm a sinner. He already knows of it. He wants you to confess it. Because you're not doing it for his knowledge, you're doing it for your knowledge and for your uh, confession. I'm a sinner, Lord. And my sin, as he said in the Sunday school, my sin helped nail you to the cross. And Lord, I thank you that the preacher has been preaching that that if if I put my faith for whosoever believeth in him, who? In Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God. There's that repentance again. I'm sorry, God, for my sin. Repentance toward God. Acts chapter 20, verse 21. And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You're saying, God the Father, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. And you're saying, God the Son, I'm putting my faith toward you. Because... It says in the scriptures that you are the one that paid my sin. And I'm going to believe the scriptures unto salvation. And that's not words in your mouth. A lot of that's done in your heart. But it's just getting to that place where you realize that you are a sinner and you have to confess and repent and turn and believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin and he will forgive you of your sin. And make you a new creature in Christ. There's a belief. That he died for your sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and raised the third day according to the scriptures. But it was for your sins. You got to believe that. And may today be the day that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And saying of God. Put that internal checkup. Make your calling and election sure if you're wavering a little bit. Maybe you slipped, something's in your life, you say, ah, that's not really Christ-like, and the Holy Spirit's put his finger on your heart this morning. All right, go to the spiritual CAT scan, go to the spiritual MRI, look on the inside, do a checkup, make your calling and election sure, brethren. Let's see who he's talking to in first and second Peter. All right, let's have a song of invitation. The Lord's spoken to you, and I pray that you will respond. As we stand.